0: secret between two people is to kill one of them. It's kind of true. The state of Utah has long been the home of the Mormons.
1: I love the gospel with all my heart.
0: They are driven by history, and they want to preserve documents.
1: Mark Hoffman found document after document.
0: First edition's History Americana worth
1: $1.5 million.
0: He was a rock star. Religion
1: sometimes breeds amongst people some extremes. The first explosion ripped through a downtown office building, killing one man. The second explosion outside of a holiday home claimed another life.
0: Panic began to ensue, because two bombs suggest a serial killer. Then the shock came.
1: There are very expensive documents in the automobile. This is an original? Yes, this is an original copy. The salamander letter gave a far different story of the church's roots.
2: Instead of God and angels, now it's salamanders and magic.
0: This material was potentially devastating. People who wanted to protect the church didn't want this document to come to light speculation the church was trying to acquire it in order to suppress it everyone's a suspect what do you think about lying for the Lord it just
1: started snowballing machine guns bombs
0: we all should have suspected secrets just can't be kept
1: Hello and welcome to the Cinemondo podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, documentary, always interesting. So we, once again, we're going to talk about crime, right?
2: True crime all the time. <laughs> I'd be totally happy with that.
1: True crime true crime it can kind of weigh on you if you watch too much of it though i have to warn you it if does. you um you know if you keep if you get like binging on this stuff and you start watching these things it's like for some reason it just puts me in a dark place
0: <laughs> well I like that place um, before yeah. we go to the, before we go to that dark place don't forget to subscribe like and comment on our youtube channel so subscribe. that button everybody
1: always yeah. points down like that when they do
2: that because the subscribe button is down there somewhere
0: it's right there, right there.
2: Yeah, definitely yeah. subscribe because you want to make sure you get every single video that we put out. And there's going to be a ton
0: of yes. fun Not only our podcast, but movie reviews That's and right. all kinds of other things. So plenty and of we're stuff.
2: experimenting and you want to be there for that. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> all of the videos that we do are unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, forgotten. always interesting.
0: <laughs> I don't want the forgotten videos. <laughs> I forgot we did that video. <laughs> you know, but so going anyway... Oh, well, I was just gonna say uh, regarding true crime in general. this particular one we're going to talk about, it um it felt less about, I mean, there's murder and uh, horrible things happen. Yeah. but it's more than that. and it has it's more of a mystery, and there's all kinds of different things that happen in just a three episode series, yeah, that I found it really compelling in that way, especially. I didn't know anything about this at all. This was totally like out of left field. I never knew what happened back in the mid eighties. I completely never read about it. It felt like a thing that really just happened in Utah and Salt Lake city. right? So, and the other thing we'll say is if you haven't watched it yet, please watch it before, you know, you listen to the rest of this podcast because we are going to get into some of the, you know, some of the twists and turns that happen.
2: We always advise that because we try not to spoil everything, but I mean, there are surprises, you know, surprises along the way that, you know, you'll want to catch. So I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm a torn when I listen to reviews because sometimes I want to listen to reviews. Should I watch this? And other times I want to listen. How did they feel about this after? So it's kind of a balancing act on how much you want to have spoiled. I mean, granted, this isn't a public record. You know, it happened a while ago you know the ending is already out there for you to see if you look for it but it's more interesting and a much richer experience if you just watch the film without knowing anything or the series yeah. so it we is. advise you do that and then we don't want you to just turn us off right now but you know <laughs> but i it.
1: tend to prefer the latter thing you were talking about where it's um as opposed to watching a review to tell me whether or not i should watch something i i'd prefer to just sort of look at the thing itself and decide, you know what I mean? Like this is something Mm -hmm. I'm going to like or not, or watch the first few minutes of it or something or read like blurbs about it or something, little things, headlines and things. But then after I watch it, I'm that's when I go looking for, reviews and articles yeah, about that's, a movie. that's what i do too so and if um, i
2: feel you know it's nice to know you're getting a spoiler warning like i'll listen to reviews and if they say they're really going to spoil something i will turn it off yes but um yeah we'll so do we, a little we, bit of that but just know there will be some spoilers we won't spoil everything but right. part of the interest is in you know talking about some very specific, yes it's uh, fun to talk about all the twists and turns yeah, and, and if you don't know story.
1: what the story is about there's some big reveals in this that are kind of shocking and cool you know because yeah. as yeah. you're watching it it's like oh my god you know yeah and there's you know always the the case with true crime stories i think with with the best of them you know is that you're as you're watching it it seems like one thing and as with if anybody here is anybody listening has done jury duty you know this to be true that with real crimes they're messy they're not as clean and tidy as they are on law and order or you know murder she wrote (laughs) there's there's a lot of weird under under stories and and subplots and backstories and oh my god he you know that happened and you know it just they compile and that's what's fascinating about watching true crime to me is that you get to see the way reality works as opposed to the to the script writer's idea of how a crime happens or how it's solved it's usually solved in a way that's like oh they found a piece of evidence that led them right to the suspect. <laughs> yeah. But well, in it's a lot of the true I watch crimes- a lot of
2: true crime and mostly what I find out is it's a lot dumber, more direct, <laughs> and sadder. Yeah. Than any TV show. So it's right. usually like really obvious or just really stupid. And like yeah. useless and pointless like you want it to be this big plot I mean in this case it is a big plot you know it's it's intricate but most crime is not it's just mostly sad and terrible
1: <laughs> well we should by now say the name of the, the, the um, show that we're talking about is called Murder Among the Mormons another
0: Joe Berlinger uh he produced this
2: right. yeah
0: it's directed and, by um Jared Hess and Tyler Mesum Jared Hess you might be familiar with he directed that big hit Napoleon Dynamite Nacho Libre and some other films so this is his yeah. uh first foray as far as i know getting into a documentary uh series uh and he himself is a mormon and so he grew up in utah and so very familiar with the case obviously something that mm-hmm. was very you know uh, important for him so he made a film and quite gripping
2: yeah and you know i want to say uh, uh, joe berlinger again anytime i see his name on something i want to watch it because i know yeah. it's gonna be good granted he's a friend of ours and if yeah. you if you're interested in joe berlinger um he also directed paradise lost um you can check out our interview it's on our channel also and uh, we have two interviews uh, one is on our podcast and one is on our youtube channel one is about ted bundy the documentary and the movie if you guys are interested in that And then we talked to Joe about uh, vanishing at the Cecil hotel and now he's producing this, the guy, the man can't stop working.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. And um, but this is a a three part documentary and it is about uh, two murders that happened in 1985 in Mm -hmm. Salt Lake city which is sort of the it's like it is the ground zero for uh, the LDS, the Mormon Church. I mean, if you've ever been to Salt Lake City, the Temple Square is the main square and it's this huge church. And it's obviously it's a, a big part of Utah life. Uh, but there were two bombings that happened within a few hours of each other one morning back then. And it shocked, it shocked the town Um because there were such, you know, violent crimes. P- somebody picks up this package in front of their office, and the bomb goes off. It was kind of unabomber-esque. Like they were packages that were delivered to these locations,
2: and then just some hapless person who happens to pick it up would be the one getting hit yeah, by it. Right. You know, and fortunately, well, not fortunately, um, it hit his intended target one time and not the intended target the second time. Um, and that—that's why bombings are so fucking dumb. Because <laughs> you don't know who's going to get hit.
0: Well, it's not, and it's not only a bomb, but he, the, the, the killer put in nails uh, wrapped up in, you know, like tape, yeah. you know, really it's brutal.
1: It's just a, it's a nasty, Carmel. brutal, Yeah, just the wor- most sociopathic way of uh, making a point or stopping something. You know, it's like the, I don't know. I don't want to get into the spoilers quite yet, but the.
2: Well, there are technically three bombings. You said two bombings, yeah. right? Or three.
1: Well,
0: right there. And the next day there's a third bombing. Right. Yeah. uh,
2: So this is getting really scary because like they mentioned in the documentary, once bombs start going off, one one bomb is one thing, two, then you're like, how many bombs are there? There could be three, four, five. Like it starts getting really horrifying
1: because you don't know when it's going to stop. And people were wondering why were these people targeted and what had been, um, part of the story involves uh, some guys who were really into something that, um, was a, a very popular in Mormon circles, which is uh, they in in the Mormon belief they're really into history, family history, and all that. And in fact, I went for a while, a long time ago, when I was doing some genealogy research on my own family. There's a Mormon temple here in Los Angeles, and they have a huge genealogy library, and mm. they they focus on history and historical collecting, historical documents, and and keeping track of. Of bloodlines and all that, you know, family trees and things. And uh, one thing that became really popular in Mormon circles was the collecting of Mormon documents. Because interestingly, and this is another another um, tangent, the history of the Mormon Church is pretty short. You know, it hasn't right. been around for a long time. It was it was created uh, by Joseph Smith in the 1800s from a A prophecy it's a it's a long story that you should look into if you're interested in um, belief systems but joseph smith alleges that he was told by an angel where the the location of some golden plates that had writings you know and that that was what was revealed to him was the mormon religion i won't go into it further than that but he was um supposedly then
2: he lost them well yeah (laughs) Oops! found them
1: but (laughs) where um, did the gold
2: tablets go i have no idea
1: (laughs) it's a lot of gold yeah but um but the idea is that i mean the the interesting fact of it is the fact that it it was in the 1800s you know 1820s and 1830s yeah
0: yeah. so there's still
1: it's like you're not gonna if you're looking for stuff about catholicism you're not you know you're not going to find a you know a jesus's you know rent receipt or something so but you might find joseph smith's rent receipt. (laughs) It might still be out there somewhere. So people collect these documents that have the signatures of people associated with early Mormonism and the beginnings of it. And Joseph Smith and his wife and his family and his friends and coworkers and well, they yeah. like it, too, because it bolsters the authenticity of right. things that
2: happened.
0: So they try to it was very important
2: yeah, to find these documents so that they have this stuff. And, to and support the church,
0: the, the LDS church wants to get their hands on these documents. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. they, they want that to be part of their library and they're part of their history. They want to make yeah. sure they're, first of all, they're legitimate. They're not forgeries. They're, they're right. real. And so they're very interested. Anything comes up, a letter written by, you know, whomever from 1835, they want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll pay or they'll get it. So it's, it's a big, it can be a big business like finding these documents. And
1: yeah. also kind of an obsession with people. Cause you know, when you collect things um, it, you get into They're it, hooked. you know, there's some people that <laughs> yeah. really get deep into it and they go down a rabbit hole and it becomes a thing that involves a lot of money and a lot of um, deals and a lot of deals go sour and you know the, these bombings happened among this this group of people who were really into trading and buying and selling and locating and and you know assessing and grading these documents it's like comic book collectors you know that that have to get you know number 32 in perfect condition and if this one is in a little slightly better condition they're they're dealing and they're, they're messing with their prices and they're haggling well
2: there's only one
1: and, you know technically
2: yeah with these letters are super valuable and then these documents because there's one copy of these things and they're really old yeah. well sort of old yeah um and you know mark hoffman uh is the one that fa- he's the main focus of this film the the series um And he's the one that has a knack for finding these amazing documents. And he's like super nerd, really, you know, kind of dorky and very shy, kind of in a weird sort of way. And like, he just seems very unassuming. He doesn't seem slick at all. He seems like exactly the kind of guy you think would be looking for ancient documents.
1: Right. And there's people, yeah. you know. I know people like that. I know collector nerds. You know, I kind of collect junk myself. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I have a collection of things. You can't see it in the room here, but it's over there.
2: I, I see no evidence it, of nerdism. In,
0: <laughs> see, <laughs> we I mean, cover up a, a, our nerdism now. <laughs> well, no, you know what it is? It's the it's it's the hunt. It's the tre- yeah. it's Finding the treasure. That's what it is. Like you go to yeah, the treasure box You're and right. you find a, an old comic book or this coin, mm-hmm. an old coin. You it's know, the dream. You know, what's it's funny. Really it's fun. like,
1: there's a, I'll yeah. go into this. I'll make this very brief. Trust me. But um, for guitar people, people who collect guitars and guitar effects, there are, um, fl- you know, the things that you put on the floor that guitar players stomp on and it changes the sound of their guitar. They're called, you know, effects pedals. And there's a huge, if you look into this huge collector's market of, you know, effects pedals like these, it's like these kind of things that sit on the floor and you, you know, and there are people that are paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars for those things, and they're obsessive. And with ancient documents, or even you know, eighteen hundreds documents, there's people that just—I mean, they know—they seem to know where to go. Like with guitar pedals, there's people that know where to find them. It's like, oh, I know a guy mm-hmm. who has one who got it from this other guy who used to know Jimi Hendrix or something, you know. But with these documents there's some people who just seem to have a nose for it. And they go into those old antique bookstores in big cities and they root through these old books and they find things in there. And it's yeah. kind of weird. I remember, you know, when I first started watching this movie, there was this one guy in the, in the film, Mark Hoffman, he seemed like one of those guys. And at first I was like, I know these kind of people. Yeah. They're really good at finding things. They know they kind of have a sense of it, you know? Yeah. They and, know what to
0: look for. And, you, and if you're a good collector, you can go to anything, whether it's books or China or, or something else. You go, oh, that's that's something. So you go to yeah. an old bookstore. You would go to New York City to the Argosy bookstore. I've been to that bookstore. Yeah. It's a great classic old. And you can go through, look at thousands of books and go, that is a book that's worth buying because it has some value to it he just he just knows what he's doing
1: and the type of person who would read that book might use a little piece of other paper that they got somewhere as a bookmark and i might flip through a book like this and find some other old document folded up inside this book you know or a i remember there was a bookstore in los angeles and i went in and they had acquired the estate of a of a writer that I liked. And I, because I started looking through these old books and I noticed in the book, you know, the book plate at the beginning, like property of, it had this writer's name. And I was like, did this really belong to him? And I asked the guy and he said, oh yeah, it belonged to him. And, it, and uh, we acquired his, uh, his estate. And so sometimes you can find, you know, things like that. And so what if this famous writer, I bought, I bought this book and I have it, you know, but what if that writer had put something in there, like a letter that he wrote to someone and he was using it? So then suddenly you have a letter written by a famous writer. Mm-hmm, so right. that's how they get these documents. And I guess, you know, I don't know how to do it, but that was my assumption.
0: Well, yeah. And, and that happens in this story. But the th- going back to the third bombing on the second day, uh, Mark Hoffman, a bomb goes off in his car and uh, a little sports car a little toyota mr2 and and all these people are part of that small group of investors who are interested in these
2: documents so you feel like for some reason these guys who are finding these documents are getting a hit put out on them and it's really scary because there's a you know the ever widening circle of like who's going to be the
1: next victim and the guys that didn't get killed are terrified
0: yeah right and hoffman doesn't die he gets you know he's seriously hurt he's in the hospital he makes it out Uh, And he sort of convalesces and he gets better. Uh, But they're still trying to figure out who killed these two people with these bombs that were part of this circle of, of people that were into rare Mormon, uh, you know, papers and documents. And who tried to kill this
1: guy, Mark Kaufman. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And But going back to what you're saying, Burke, like uh, Mark Hoffman bought a Bible, uh, you know, and or had a Bible and in and his wife was looking at one day at home at the kitchen table, was looking through this new purchase. And in the middle of it was this letter, uh, an old piece of paper. And she picks it up and what is this? So Mark comes over, looks at it, and it's a letter written, uh, it's from like 1839 it's from joseph smith's time you know written by an associate
1: uh, of joseph Joseph smith that yeah it talks about i mean he's somebody that knew knew him and had you know evidently seen these ancient documents lost documents or whatever i assume and was writing with that type of authority which is rare in these old documents. You you rarely get something that's that close to the source of their entire belief. You know, their base, the Mm -hmm. basis of the entire Mormon church. Here's something that's right next to the source of that, you know?
0: Right. And, and it, and in the Mormon, in in the, in the, uh, Mormon religion, Joseph Smith is told by an angel to go find these gold plates bearing under this tree. But in the letter, it's not an angel. It's a white salamander. Kind of directs the white salamander directs Joseph Smith to the gold plates, and that is something that in the in you know the Dude, LDS it's quite like you know it's it's an eye it's Bomb one of those stone. you know your eyes rage yeah it's like really a white salamander all of a sudden we're in this world yeah. of you know little animals doing stuff it's not yeah. quite the same as an angel. And it's refuting
2: about. in a way the story that was really late, you know originally laid out. So everybody's like now wait who are we, who do we believe now? What's going on here? And so you know you start casting doubt on the very basis of you know a lot of people's beliefs then where does that begin and end you know it's a, yeah, it's a very you, huge deal finding once this you life. start
1: undermining something that fundamental yeah. to their belief system you know it's like i think somebody in the film makes a, a comparison they're like it would be like if somebody found an original some of the original writing from the bible and it and it completely rewrote something in there you know like jesus wasn't crucified you know he he drowned in you know when he was trying to walk on the water he fell in and drowned you know and it he would be like water and fell in what you know people would be like wait a minute what about the whole crucifixion what about this cross i wear around my neck you know does it, all it, mean it it just it, does, it yeah.
0: destroys the religion in a sense yeah. i mean it, it's it really sort of like this is our beliefs we bought we build all these churches and and, mm-hmm. and you know it's all of a sudden it's not the same thing so it's, it's so scandalous so they have to yeah. figure out is this a legitimate you know, it's just a legitimate letter, you know, like and
2: now all of a sudden people are dying. So you're like, well, is it the church that's trying to silence, you know, and and silence some of these people and protect itself? I mean, that's sort of what's the paranoia that starts bubbling up.
1: That was my assumption when I heard about this story yeah. years ago. It was like, oh, the church is trying to keep these people quiet who found a, right. a, a document that disproves or discredits some aspect of their belief. hmm. But that's not what the film is about.
0: (laughs) But no, it's not. But but I think the letter, that letter, I don't know if it went to went to some uh, somebody to you know to to verify it, and it came back as a genuine. The FBI,
2: the FBI actually checked it and said it's legit. And everybody was like, "What?" So that was not good because nobody wanted that
0: to be legit. And Mark Hoffman had a knack of getting other things that were considered legit. I mean, like uh, some amazing pieces of, you know, uh, of uh, some amazing documents. Not only Mormon stuff, but other stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, this is all legitimate stuff. How is he finding all this, this stuff that this valuable pieces of paper?
2: What was cool too is that, granted, this is originally this. It centers around two murders and an attempted murder, technically. You know that's how it's selling itself, but really the whole background on this document, like underground of these people who look for these things, and the, you know the historical obsessives that try and find these these pieces of paper that are valuable. That in and of itself was fascinating.
0: Yeah, like, I, I thought that was almost the most interesting part well the first guy that's interviewed is like this, this big guy with his hair i forgot his name but he i said i know this guy, guy with hair <laughs> I, yeah yeah and and i <laughs> crazy looking i said i know this guy and then they they put up his name and he's a rare book uh, collector from salt lake he's on antiques Roadshow. he's a book he's the guy that oh, that's does funny Roadshow. i go, that's where he's from yeah so uh, and so he knows all about rare books and all that kind of thing, and he happens to be, you know, it's so uh, interesting. based out of Salt Lake City.
2: Especially yeah. now, is, <laughs> yeah. it is more valuable now to me. It's crazy.
1: It is interesting, but one of the things that when the film for me started to go a little bit bizarre, you know, when things go bizarre, is <laughs> when he found he he was just rooting around in a bookstore in new york and he bought a book and and he opened up this old book and he was like oh look at this little piece of little slip of paper i found in this book and he he reads it and he happens to recognize what it is instead of just tossing it in the trash or something and it turns out to be the first piece of printed material that was ever printed in the new world you know and and it's a it's sort of a legendary thing that was printed on the first printing press you know and it and it's called the oath of a freeman and right it's just a little prayer kind of a thing and
2: it's like one sheet like a little decorative
1: like a little yeah. piece yeah. of something and it's um looks like that <laughs>
2: there's our yeah. high tech uh, visual aids <laughs> yeah
1: and it's
0: very small, you know, it's like maybe what it was like three by five, yeah. three by six or something like that, you know, and he just, just like, yeah, to of found it. He just happens he to
1: find it. it in the book in the bookstore. And he, he tells the bookstore owner, it's like, oh, the book that I want to buy also has this little slip of old paper in it. What do you want to charge me for that? And I don't know what he what happened, but I th- he made it known that he found this in the book. And he's like, mm. does this come with the book? And, you know, and right. I remember thinking, this is a little weird now. You know, he, this guy, this one guy happens to find all of he these, Finds
2: a lot of slips of paper that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And,
0: and this one was, you know, was valued at $1.5 million and it went to the FBI and it was also came back as 100% genuine. Like it was, yeah. like, I gotta say the, the FBI
2: came off looking really bad in this.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we're getting into the, we have to say, uh, you know, we're getting into the spoiler zone here, but it's, yeah. What what's happening i mean should we, we reveal it right now sure. um sure. is that this guy was and in retrospect you look at this documentary and you're like well <laughs> duh
2: <laughs> it all seemed really obvious from the second it started that this was about one thing but correct. that's
0: why but that's why it's so brilliant because all so the good. people that were friends is totally believed him yeah And also the fact that everything came back, like as soon as like he, I'm sure Mark Hoffman came back as soon as, Oh, that's genuine. The FBI said it was genuine. I'm golden. I'm like one, you know, and and then what he said was interesting. He said, as soon as somebody says it's genuine or then it becomes genuine. Like if it's, if if it's okayed by the FBI, then it's okay. It has value. It now is the legitimate thing. And then no one's really
2: going to read. Test it because they're like, well, it's already been authenticated. Why would we redo it? You know, so you're in a way yeah. you're kind of out of the woods at that point.
1: And the other thing that came up is once you, you know, he had that handwritten um, salamander letter. Once that, and you know, it, he he learned how to write that way, and he taught himself how to do to how to copy these old styles of handwriting. And he was using special inks on special papers with special treatments that was totally that they fascinating.
2: Was really cool. Well, like, I used to and do
1: ever props. Since I was
0: fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I was just saying that he started doing this. I,
1: I was always making uh, I, old documents when I did props. So oh, I had all my little techniques. You know, you soak it in tea and you you know, you mm-hmm. tear the edges and you burn it a little bit and you run the iron over it. <laughs> it's like
2: my well, loved his little trick of like ozone on yeah. the paper to sort of simulate environmental
0: degradation on the paper. And the vacuum that cleaner to
1: pull the ink through to the right. back of the page like it's Weird. been
0: that's percolating so in the paper for about <laughs> he started it when he was 14 you know so he's been doing that for many years and he became obviously superb at it yeah and uh that was what was really so they finally brought in this guy throckmorton who was like the guy you know the guy to say like i'm gonna if it's something that is considered a forgery i'm gonna see if it's legitimate or if somebody says something is is you know genuine i'm gonna try to find the faults in it and that's what he did with another guy Yeah. And they eventually found out they saw some cracking in some of the ink that was, was inconsistent with real old inks. Right. So uh, the jig was up that, you know, this guy, uh, Mark Hoffman, who is finding all these wonderful pieces of, uh, you know, valuable documents was forging every single one of them. And, you know, just like putting off the biggest scam on his friends, his wife at the time. Yeah. All these people that, you know, loved him and cared for him and trusted him. And he seemed, he just, he just fooled every single one of them, but he knew that stuff was starting to happen, that the jig was up with him, that he'd be in trouble. And it ended up being that he was the one that put the bombs together and killed his friends, you know, and Shockingly so, without a lot of remorse, I'll say. You know, and he was yeah. on his
2: way to deliver another bomb, and he blew himself up, not on purpose. Well,
1: he—I think he did do it on purpose, didn't he? Say he wanted to he commit did it suicide. Purpose. Did you on purpose? Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it I wasn't he, on purpose.
0: I think he wanted to kill himself because uh, he put all of
1: the documents in the trunk. He wanted the car to burn.
2: Right. Yeah. See, I thought it was an accident. Hmm. You but know, it's, he, it's such. He a, said, a He
1: said at the end, actually, in his interview, that he wanted to. He wanted to kill himself, you know. He decided, but it's uh, um it was weird. Even though uh, you know that suggests that he had some remorse or regrets. He, but I think he wanted to
0: get caught, you know. I just, I felt no yeah. remorse. I mean, he no. was like, oh, I kill, I, yeah. I killed them because you know, they seem they're in a better place. They don't know that they're hurting, you know. Yeah. Well, it
2: was shocking how like upfront and just nonchalant he was in the interviews. They, I had that recorded interview and they talk about how. The the one package that was put in front of you know Sheet's house. Yeah. And how he's like, oh, it didn't matter to me who found it, if it was an adult, a kid, a dog. okay. It's like, really? You didn't care who found your package. You were just gonna blow up whoever? That was okay. Like
0: I just he's trying that's to cover psychopathic up and
2: behavior right there.
0: Yeah, I think he's from very 14, psychopathic. Yeah, you know, since 14 he's been lying and, and you know, fooling around. Once, you know, his he came from a very devout Mormon family and his father was very strict. And he sort of turned off to that. He just said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else. And he just was all about like, I'm just going to get away with stuff. And yeah, it was shocking. The the last episode is, you know, there's an interview with him in front of the parole board.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's really like very like you've never really heard like you've heard other serial killers, you know, talking, you know, recorders, but this was very answered The questions very simply, very directly, very nonchalantly. And I was like, well, this is exactly what happened. You know, he was the guy that did all this.
2: It's and weird he, too, because I, he lied for so long. And now he's like, I'm just going to tell the truth now. Fuck it. I'm just going to tell everybody. And he had nothing to lose. He's like, but he's still like, yeah, I think I could get out of jail. You're like, why would anyone let your ass out of jail?
0: What yeah. <laughs> I I think he thought like he got a five year to life prison that he would be honest that maybe he'd get out in five, yeah. 10, 15 years. I thought he was, I'll do this for 10 years yeah. and get out when I'm 50 years old and have the rest of my life. Yeah. You're
1: but when that cares. honesty includes you sitting there saying, I don't have any bad feelings about killing people, mm-hmm. then you're probably not going to get out.
2: Yeah. Even innocent bystanders and <laughs> In- innocent yeah. dogs.
1: Yeah. Anyone. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. He was like, it was terrible. The way he was talking about life and death. It was like, he just had no value. I mean, it had no value. It was like, it's like
2: why bombs? Like yeah. to me, I'm always amazed. Like even the Unabomber, like bombs Remote. are so like, well, the, I just feel like there's better ways. It just seems, first of all, it's dangerous to make them in the first place. Then, when you deliver these bombs, and this happened with the Unabomber too, you're not killing your even your intended target. Like even if you have a target, which I guess he, apparently he didn't care who he hurt, but yeah. they're so inaccurate, and then you're killing people who are innocent. I, they're just, I feel like they're probably one of the dumbest uh, things you could possibly do. But it's a baby. weapon
1: that destroys itself in it when in its use. Well, you know, at least- it-
2: way it's built and the way it explodes it leaves behind its own evidence you know but you know i I think part of it too is they just want to scare people you know if you if you scare enough people maybe you know there won't be this kind of you know a bunch of people trying to nose their way into it because they're afraid they'll get blown up you know because you never know where it's coming from you can't really avoid it is it in your car is it in your house like you'll never open another package in your life it's horrifying
1: yeah especially if you feel like the person is still out there, you know, whoever did it, th- they never caught the person and it's still, yeah. you know, ugh, it's a, it's a creepy, it's a creepy I, concept. I was
0: the, the last episode. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I just find that the, um, I felt bad at the end when you're talking to his friends and yeah. just how hurt. I mean, I don't like hurt. They would just, Shattered, yeah. Yeah. Because they, you know, they they fought for this guy. They believed in him, and it's, you know, like I said, his wife and his like three friends. It was just like a. That's the sad part, Kathy, about how like these things are sad. That's the sad part. Like this guy just sort of did what he did. He didn't care that he killed Mm -hmm. people, and he just still probably doesn't care. He's in prison. You know who knows? And he doesn't have that. He just doesn't have that empathy. You know, and he seems to not understand why it's wrong. Follow him and love him. Yeah.
2: I think he thought, you yeah. know, his, getting so to was, end result was all he really needed. Uh, he didn't really care how he got there, you know, as long as he was still lining his pockets, you know, that's classic grifter behavior. It's like he just kept kind of adapting to the grift. And then finally it was like, Oh, that's, I'm not gonna be able to continue this because now people are getting wise right. to me. So I got to do, take some drastic measures. And he did. And here we are.
1: <laughs> one thing he said that was kind of interesting. It was like, he had this personal philosophy or something. And one thing he said was that, um, he said, well, I felt that, um, you know, I was in trouble and I needed to protect myself. And I felt like that was, that made it okay to kill people. You know, that's that yeah. it was acceptable behavior to, to kill people in order to protect mm-hmm. myself that, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was, it was strange to hear that interview. It's always strange to hear people admitting to these horrible things that they've done. And we've seen that in so many true crime documentaries and, read it and so many true crime books but to hear the voice of a person who doesn't have that part of their brain you know it's just something is missing from their brain because most people i mean obviously thankfully most people have a value for life you know they value life and and don't I don't even want to hurt somebody, you know? I don't even want to, somebody to slip mm-hmm. on my sidewalk, you know? So I make sure there's no rocks out there, you know? I don't even
2: want to hurt a spider that's in my house. <laughs> I, know, like, yeah, I want to I like move it to a safer place in yeah. case I accidentally step on it.
1: Like, we take <laughs> bugs outside the house all the time, you know? a,
0: yeah.
2: It's a, yeah. a fortunately, yeah. most people aren't like that. this, yeah. I mean, right, they're
1: not right. so.
0: So that's why it's fascinating. Yeah. You know, uh, it's unfortunate, it's fascinating to, see, to hear the, uh, you know, the killer in those re- re- recordings. I, yeah. I found a fascinating just that lack it's of disturbing. remorse. Yeah. And, and that's the sad part of it. You know, that's the yeah. sad that, you know, he just didn't care. And mm-hmm. he, uh, yeah, it was just, and also the whole other uh, concept is what, how the LDS church ha- handled all of this, which was, yeah. uh, I found interesting. So, um, I wish they got a little bit
2: deeper into the history of, you know, the original John Smith and, you know, the doc, I mean, yeah, Joseph Smith, um, that, that continuing on through and creating the religion and then this on top of that and how the church was reacting to it. And, you know, the whole, like, well, how do we, how do we actually validate any of these documents now? Like there's, it's just sort of leaves it there. Like there was no lasting impression of going deeper to like, what is it with this joseph smith you know what what are these how how are they verified like they didn't really go deep into that and i would like to see more of that because i feel like that's sort of the the elephant in the room is how do you document what's undocumentable? <laughs> you
1: know, right like, and we the, have a
2: guy who's already shown as possible so yeah you know, i don't know when I you think.
1: go back to the source even like yeah. what's real and what isn't what exactly uh, what was fabricated and created that's the The problem with a lot of ancient belief systems and ancient history, even, you know, that's why history is so complicated for historians. They have to find corroborating things. Mm -hmm. They have to find documents that the dates link up and then they're like, okay, we can kind of believe that now right? because they, you know, the rule of this, you know, King happened at the same time in this document and this Mm -hmm. one. So it's probably accurate, but with religious uh, documents and religious relics and items like that, I mean... I remember somebody saying if all the churches in the world that claim to have a piece of the true cross actually had a piece of the true cross that means that the true cross was like a hundred (laughs) thousand feet tall and 600 feet wide you know and because they're just they they come from a bunch of different sources Mm. and like the guy in the film says if somebody lives their whole life and grows up and there have children and the children grow up with that belief that this little piece of wood is a piece of the real cross then in a weird way it is true for them you know to and let go
2: of it yeah you know? i mean who's gonna yeah. do that so yeah. yeah that was the only thing i mean i would really like to have seen it go into that but I, there was a little bit of you know tiptoeing around in that concept considering what the film's about but overall yeah. i thought the film was pretty fascinating not only you know the lengths people will go to cover up a you know their grift, but just the crime itself, the whole how they forged these documents, how it was done, right. how he was able to sell them to people, how people perpetuated the selling because once they invested in it, it did not help them to then cast out on the document they just paid thousands of
1: dollars for. Yes, so exactly there was
2: sort of a protection aspect to the grifts, which made it almost. The perfect crime,
1: and also, like, one another part of the film goes into the fact that that salamander letter was written by you know, forged by him and his in his you know, forgery handwriting, and it was verified. And therefore, any further documents Mm -hmm. that he discovers, uh, that are written in that same handwriting, a handwriting expert would okay, this one's verified, and this is the one he just found. And the handwriting is an exact match, you know, so he's got like a, he's got the standard by which his own forgery, he created the standard by which his own forgeries are being judged, which is interesting, you know.
0: So just a fascinating documentary. Yeah. And two more things. He also passed every polygraph. Yeah. and uh, He's a psychopath. He, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he it's a Ponzi scheme. The Ponzi scheme sooner yeah. or later is going to fall apart. And that's what mm. happened. And that's what yeah. led yeah. to the murders, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's it, it always its like God. an old
1: film noir movie, you know, where it's like, I just want to do this one thing and then I'll make enough money and I'll be able yeah. to retire. Just
2: one last score. Just
1: one last <laughs> score, you know, like do this one last thing that's going to get me a million dollars and then I'll stop. I promise.
2: I wonder if he hadn't actually done the salamander letter, which freaked out everyone in the church and they didn't want it to be true that maybe if he hadn't gone that far, he could have kept continuing this. This If he uh, just script. forged
1: these really mundane documents yeah. that weren't so earth shaking and yeah. groundbreaking, but, and, but he got addicted, oh God, I think the to the biggest, thrill. Yeah. Cause he's
2: creating his own mythology. He's basically creating yes. his own sort of religion, yes. anti-religion, you know, concept. So yeah, I think he just got addicted to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But fascinating it's a, stuff. It's a very interesting documentary series. It's a yeah. three-parter and it uh, doesn't take you long. If you want to binge on no, it, it and it's you can, fast. And it's, yeah, it um, it's got a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to think about in terms of what's real and what's not real and, mm-hmm. and how, um, how a certain kind of person justifies their horrible actions. That to me is, that goes into a dark place, you know, when you think about these, there's people out there, you know, right yeah. who yeah. who think like that
0: yeah <laughs> murder among the mormons yep on netflix <laughs> from jared hess and um it's really worth seeing so uh we we all enjoyed it and a yeah, little input from it. our
1: pal joe berlinger he, who always makes yep. good good things he he, he yep. you know his name um designates quality yeah it elevates
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we're
1: not biased at all <laughs>
0: No. <laughs> no but it was good so, very you know, good it, it, it was
2: very good so true crime yeah. gotta you gotta watch it yeah Murder and you gotta
0: subscribe among to us
2: Mormons.
1: too yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: subscribe to us and watch this <laughs> yes
0: because we're good yeah and like <laughs> and, and comment and all that good stuff but uh <laughs> it's it was another it was another good try yeah. true crime doc i really enjoyed this yeah. one
1: and tell us what you think of um our opinions about this you know like the the yeah. um if you have any experience with the mormon church even you know and you have um or if maybe you remember when all this was happening i would i would like to hear from people who were in the mormon church at the time and if they were impacted by the salamander letter or if how it felt to have Mm. something undermine their belief system like that and then how they felt when it was shown to be a forgery right right you know what yeah how many levels of of uh you know, strange thoughts go through your mind when something like that happens to something so fundamental as your religious beliefs. That's right. right. So let us know in the comments, if you have any experience yep. like that or, you know, start a discussion.
0: Yeah. We'd like to hear it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks. It was fun. <laughs> it
2: was thanks fun. for joining
0: us. It was fun.
2: Yep. Look for us on all our social media. We're everywhere. Yes. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're like we're taking over the world. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> All right. See you later. All right. Thanks for joining us.